And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Andy Webb with Lifestyles Unlimited. And as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Hey, on today's show, I want to I want to talk about risk. Let's just hit that right out the gate. Risk in real estate. Now we have risk everywhere in our lives. If I decide to go down one path rather than the other, choose one road, turn left instead of right, there, there's risk in every decision that we make. You you know that if you pause and think about that. If if you don't make a decision, if you don't do something, sometimes there's risk in that as well. But I want to focus on real estate, of course. This is a real estate investor radio show. And by the way, during the course of the show, if something comes up, if I trigger a thought for you or a question, there is no risk in sending me an email. You can send me an email to askandy at luinc.com. I am happy to take those up with you per email or on air. In fact, the I got a listener question that triggered this whole thought for me uh, for today's show. And the question is really, are there differences in the risks that you encounter as, let's say, a single family investor versus a multifamily investor? This was essentially the listener question. That's a very big question. <laughs> we could talk about that for days and days. But, you know, as you do think about preparing, uh, preparing to manage risk as a real estate investor, what should you do? What, what should you consider? So I do want to take a look at a few ideas because, again, this is this could be a very long conversation. Um, so I want to take a look at a few ideas for the single family investor as well as for the apartment investor. OK, again, triggered by that listener question. I'll get to that his question here in, in just a moment. But first, going back to what I just said, there's there's risk around everything we do, some level of risk. And I don't know if you've thought about this. You're 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 working hard. You're in the grind. As, as the listener was in his email to me, in fact, don't like what you're doing, perhaps, but you're comfortable, right? You're making a decent salary. You've been doing it for a couple of decades now. You see retirement somewhere, maybe somewhere on the horizon. So you can just keep doing what you're doing. Well, in this case, what is the risk of just continuing down that path and not changing something, not doing something new, just staying on that path? Do you actually think you will make it to retirement? This was the listener's concern. How realistic is, I mean, sit down and think about this. How realistic is that goal right now? You got to think about the government. What if the government does what they did already a few times and raises the retirement age again? For me, if I were to stay on that conventional path, my retirement age would have been 67 and I think it's like two months, something like that, uh, north of 67 years of age. Well, I retired in my late 40s. I said, I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't want to work. I probably wouldn't even make it to that age, quite frankly. That's too risky for me. So I went a different way. I went down a different path. But what if the government pulls the rug out from under you? Don't think it can happen? Look what's going on across the, the ocean right now. There are big protests going on in France for that very same reason. The government is talking about taking the retirement age to achieve that that pension in that country from the age of 62, by the way, far younger than we have it here, from the age of 62 to 64. That's a sudden change in the rules of the game. 
and the people there don't like it. And there are millions of people out protesting. So if you don't think the government will change the rules on you, uh, rest assured they've done it before and they can do it again. Another big question I always ask is what about Social Security? A lot of people lean on that as their plan whether in whole or as a supplement to their retirement. And every time I read about Social Security, we know that it's having problems. They're projecting insolvency sometime around, uh, I believe, the mid-30s now, right? Insolvency in this case doesn't mean there are no funds, but something has to change because they have less coming in at that point than is going, than is going out. And, and that, that clearly doesn't work. Um, it's going to fail at some point. So you have to ask. Is that what I'm planning on relying on? Do if not, if not, do I have enough saved now? And am I on track to get where I need to be? And if you if you look around, if you if you talk to your peers, um, you're going to find that most Americans are not on track. So what is the risk? This is the question. Since we're talking about risk, what is the risk of not changing that plan, that path of doing nothing? And that takes me to the listener question. I want you to note his opening. He said, I've been listening to the, the podcast, the Lifestyles Unlimited podcast for a long time, but he's not a member. He's not taken action. In fact, he said it's an embarrassing amount of time. So he's been listening for a long time, but hasn't taken that action. But he recognizes the risk. He recognizes, in fact, I underscored it here. He says, I've saved according to popular expectations for 25 years. And I do not see a good retirement possibility without changing something. So this gentleman that wrote in, he sees the problem and he understands the risk of doing nothing. So he does want to make a change and he's interested in Lifestyles Unlimited. Now he had a very concrete question. Is single family investing riskier than investing as a passive investor in apartments? So we're going to get to that. And, and really anything we do in life broadly, of course, but, but, but here with a focus today on, on real estate investing, it comes down to recognizing risk and then taking action to mitigate risk. You can remove or minimize a lot of the, the dangers that you see out there if you, if you think about this and, and, and you apply good practices. And, you know, just thinking very broadly on, on, you know, from the real estate perspective, whether apartments or houses, right, you can mitigate risk when you buy the property. You can mitigate risk as you rehab it, or perhaps because you're rehabbing it. Uh, you can mitigate risk during operations, ongoing operations. And, and if you are investing as a passive, you can mitigate risk there as well. You know, so to the listener's question, is investing in a single family house riskier than investing as a passive or vice versa? Is investing as a passive riskier? And interestingly, you know, I, I've, I've got a, uh, an email in front of me right here from one of the uh, Lifestyles Unlimited Realty team. The estimated uh, cash out of pocket to invest in this particular house, this is over in Georgia, is just under $25,000. I see a lot of uh, opportunity in houses that are around that number, some higher, some, some lower. So in this case, I might have invested $25,000 into this property. By the same token, I was on a webinar just last night with a, a soon-to-be lead investor, a syndicator, with an apartment investment opportunity. And the minimum to invest there was 25000 So here we kind of have apples and apples. I could put twenty-five into the single-family house, or I could put twenty-five into this apartment investment as, as a passive. Is one inherently riskier than the other? Well, I'll tell you, the risks are different. 
uh, there, there, there are some differences there. And, and if I take the, the thought process a little bit farther out, because maybe, maybe you don't want to be a passive investor. Maybe you want to buy your own small multifamily as an independent rental owner. You can do that too. Or you can be that syndicator. Is that riskier than investing as a passive or perhaps investing in that single family house? You know, look, th there's risk in everything. And the important thing that you need to take away today is that there are many, many, many things that you can do to mitigate risk. So if you're afraid of something, if you have some fear of some potential thing that could happen, you have to take a step back as well and ask yourself some big picture questions and, and, and maybe even some minute, you know, nuanced questions on, on what can I do just to avoid that? Right. It's, it's as easy as that. And, and I want to take a parallel from uh, my, my daily life, maybe not daily, but one of my hobbies. You know, I'm, I've been skydiving for, uh, geez, almost 18 years now. And, you know, about this time of year, every year, you know, skydivers in, in, in colder climates in particular, they're, you know, they're waking up from that winter hibernation. A lot of people don't jump when it's below zero. It's cold, <laughs> especially at altitude. And they're, you know, they're getting ready to stretch those wings again. And even here in Texas, where it's been warmer, we, we do this as well. We have something called Safety Day, and that happens in March. And, and really, it's all about refreshing that education that we got maybe last year, maybe in my case, 18 years ago, right? It's about refreshing that education and, you know, all the things we learned in order to get that license and, and to practice. You know, for example, we'll, we'll get into a harness, kind of like what I would be hanging from under an open open parachute. In this case, it's hanging from a ceiling. And it'll have the rip cords, and somebody will hold up a picture of a, a potential parachute malfunction, and, and my brain has to trigger. Boom! What, what do I do? What kind of malfunction is that? Do I pull the rip cord for the reserve? Do I do I cut away from the? All these things, and we practice that. We practice that. It refreshes our our education, refreshes our reaction time. In this case, practice, practice, practice. Right. And, and, and we talk about keeping an eye, uh, lots of classes in, in essence, how to keep an eye on our fellow jumpers, you know, looking at their gear before we get on the airplane, looking at their gear as we go to altitude in the airplane, looking at their gear before we exit. Do I see anything that is wrong? Is there something we could fix to mitigate the risk of a, of a problem? And they'll bring out coaches in the various disciplines. You may not know this, but it's not just jumping out of an airplane. I can jump out and do formations. I can jump out and fly on my head. I can jump out and fly feet down really, really fast. I can jump out with a wingsuit, or you might call it a squirrel suit. These are all different disciplines. They all have different risks. And coaches and mentors will come out, people that have been doing this for a long time, and will talk about mitigating risks in each of these disciplines. In essence, they're talking about education, refreshing that education we had and staying up on the latest and greatest. They talk about processes, what to do if, if, and, and, and when something happens and, and mentoring It comes down to mentoring and community. These, these are the big picture things you can think about in some of the nuanced things in those various disciplines. And that applies to real estate as well. Getting educated, having good, Having good processes, having a, a great community around you to maybe ask those questions and, and point you in the right direction when maybe something goes sideways, and a mentor as well for that, that self-same reason. So again, for the skydivers, you know, we're waking up, we're, we're rubbing that crust out of our eyes. It's still a little bit chilly at, at altitude at 14,000 feet, but we're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're, we're mitigating risk. We're, we're refreshing all those things we've learned so that we can have a safe year. Now, I want to dive 
into a little bit more on the real estate side, starting with single family. I want to address the listener's question here. And I'm going to start with single family, and then we'll talk about passive investing so that you can more concretely see some of the some of the differences. And, and a lot of people out there that I speak with um, and get emails from are, are single family investors. That's what I've been doing for a decade. So I've seen a lot of the things that we're going to talk about. And I've gotten a lot of questions over, over the years. Very, very common question I want to start with. And, and it's a very specific question. Listener did not ask this, but, but you may have this on your mind. And it is, should I form an LLC? Very common question. I get it all the time. LLC meaning uh, limited liability corporation. This is what this is what a lot of people think of when they think risk mitigation is LLC. That's kind of the go-to. I, I need to. I, I talk to people that want to form an LLC before they've bought a property. So should you form one? Well, it depends, but generally no. Because, you know, if you are worried about liability, really there are two things you can do. Again, thinking big picture here. Number one, be a good operator in all parts of the business. Be a good operator. And number two, have, a, have an umbrella liability policy. Those two things, I think, are really all you need. Now, there are other reasons why you may not want an LLC. For example, if you follow the model that we do at Lifestyles Unlimited, we're buying a, a distressed asset often with hard money, which is a private loan, uh, but ultimately will refinance into a 30-year fixed-rate note. And in order to get the best rate on that property that I can, I want to have what's called Fannie Mae-backed debt. Well, I can't do that in an LLC. I have to do that in my personal name. So for that reason alone, I would, again, tell you, no, you don't need it. You shouldn't do it at this point, especially if you're just starting out. We're going to head into a quick break. Be right back. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Want to continue the conversation inside the community? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook. Stay up to date on upcoming events, market trends, member stories, featured podcasts, real estate wisdom, and more. You can even join us a couple times a month as we go live with our case study events, right on Facebook from the comfort of your home. Get online and get in the know. Turn listening on the radio into participating in the community. Like and follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Andy Webb. If you have any questions, email me at askandy at l-u-i-n-c dot com. Askandy at l-u-inc dot com. And in fact, a listener question triggered this whole show today. He was asking about the, the risk involved with investing in single family versus being a passive investor in multifamily. And we're diving into that now. I think I think risk in general, we it's everywhere in life. As a skydiver, I accept that when I get into an airplane that there are risks around my activity. But I've spent 18 years learning how to mitigate those risks. I've spent over a decade as a real estate investor learning how to mitigate risk as well. And I am both a single family investor and a passive investor in multifamily family. So to the listener, hey, maybe do both. <laughs> you know, if you're not sure which way to go, maybe try both. Um, I love single family and there are risks, but we mitigate those risks. And 
again, as we were talking ahead of the break, uh, a common question is, well, LLC, don't I just need an LLC? And, and no, LLCs complicate things. At some point when you're bigger, you have a big portfolio, may, maybe you look at that. But when we're starting out, and if you're following the lifestyles model, then no, because we're going to buy a distressed asset. We may buy it with hard money. It may it may qualify for a conventional loan out the gate. It depends. Uh, but ultimately, we're going to get into a 30-year fixed rate loan, a conventional loan that is that is secured by Fannie Mae or perhaps Freddie Mac. And that's where you get the best interest rates. Even in our higher interest rate environment, that's where you're going to get the best interest rates in order to achieve the cash flow that you want. So you don't want to have an LLC because you cannot get that type of financing. It does have to be in your personal name. And this goes back to the listener question. He was a little bit concerned around financing. Yes, those are recourse loans. That means if you mess something up and have to give the property back, you are on the hook, right? Now they'll sell, they'll, they'll, they'll do the foreclosure route and all that stuff. There's some ways to mitigate that risk, of course. And we'll talk about that. But ultimately, you, you are on the hook with that with that type of loan. Now, keep in mind, it's a smaller loan. When we're talking multifamily, we're talking millions and millions of dollars very often. So to here, here, we're no longer comparing apples and apples. Now, as you go bigger, like I said, maybe then you start to talk about LLCs as asset protection. Uh, as you go bigger, like I am, I, I can't do Fannie Mae anymore. I have too many uh, mortgages as, as it is. I might look at doing something called a DSCR loan. That's a debt service, service coverage ratio loan. Some of those will be in your name, but some of those lenders do prefer that you use an LLC. So there may come a point in your life as an investor where you do make that switch, right? It depends on how many how many houses you have, how much how many mortgages in place. Depends on where you're buying as well. Some some states may have you operate differently. Hard money in Georgia, for example, does require an LLC. In Texas it does not. I can buy that. I can sign that note as uh using my personal name. That's perfectly okay. But ultimately, you know, to get back to the listener's question and and risk and the notion of mitigating risk, I think here it comes down to forget the LLC. You need to be a good operator. And you need to have a good liability policy, I think. And to be a good operator, there's several things that flow into that. Number one, I think most important is you need to be educated. You need to get a good education around what we do as investors, as single family rental owners. That's part of it. Because when you're educated, then you will have what comes next, which are good processes in place. And that goes to being a good operator. For example, our motto at Lifestyles Unlimited is best product best price. Now, I told you we're going to try to find a distressed asset, and that allows us to buy right. This is part of the process. Think about this as part of the process. We'll buy right. We'll, we'll, we'll buy at a discount, but we're going to go in and we're going to fix everything that is broken now or could break in the next handful of years. That is best product. And by way of this process, we're going to create something called equity. We call that, at Lifestyles Unlimited, we call that equity capture. And going back to that email I got from the realty team, I mentioned this a moment ago, estimated out of pocket to buy this house is $25,000, a little bit south of that. But get this, my equity capture, $47K. So at the end of the day, I have around $70,000 in equity in this house through the process, right? Again, going back to having good processes, I'm going to buy it with hard money. I'm going to fix everything like we talked about, and I'm going to refinance. And when I'm done, I'm going to have $70,000 in equity, but I only put $25,000 in. I've just captured $45,000, $46,000 in equity. I've just created that through the process. 
and that's buffer. I love equity capture because for me, that represents buffer. That notion of going to foreclosure, I've never had it happen, never seen any risk around it personally, but if something, you know, push comes to shove and I need to unload the house, I have $70,000 in equity now. 46 of that, which was just essentially created out of thin air. So think about that. If you're worried, if, if you see risk, in single-family houses, I'd say, again, the risk is doing nothing. The risk is leaving that $46,000 on the table. I mean, here we're almost tripling our money in one, two, maybe three months. Depends on the, the rehab. So think about that. And, and again, back to the listener question and his concern around mortgages. Um, if you are following the lifestyles model, you know that we have to have cash flow. This particular house is projected to cash flow $275 a month. That's my net profit. Well, guess what? If I'm making profit every month, that means somebody is paying the mortgage. I'm paying, I'm collecting rent, and a portion of that goes to cover the principal, the interest, the taxes, and the insurance, the fixed costs. Somebody else is paying that mortgage, and they're paying it down for me. So if it is cash flowing, that means my resident is de facto paying the mortgage. So I don't have to worry about that. What is my risk? Well, that's my risk. If something happens and I gotta, I have to sell the house in a hurry, you know, that, that, that's my cash in the deal. That's it. Uh, now, granted, we did say that we've created an additional $46,000 in equity. So we have a really big buffer there to work with if the worst case scenario comes up. Never been a, a, a concern of mine um, because we are good operators, because we are educated, because we do move what risk we can to others by way of insurance, as we just talked about. And the last thing I want to mention is that we, we make sure to surround ourselves with, with good people. And, and I'm talking about the team. We talk about building a team all the time. And that includes, for example, a good insurance broker. What we just talked about, I need somebody that understands what I'm doing and can give me a good policy. By the way, I don't like captive insurance agents. You may be one if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I like brokers because they're gonna shop multiple, multiple policies. And right now as rates are going up on insurance and maybe I don't like my renewal policy, well, I go and I shop it with my broker. Um, aside from that team, you know, we've got mortgage brokers, very important, CPAs, contractors, realtors, you know, the mentors are hugely important. And of course, our network. As you grow as an investor, you, you do want to surround yourself with others that are successful in this space and that are doing this as well so that you can exchange notes and, and you can have conversations about the latest and greatest. What kind of lease addenda are you using? What have you done in this geographical area where I know you invest and I'm, I'm looking to move into? Having that network is hugely important to help you cut risk as well, to lean on other people's knowledge in essence. So that's, that's the single family space. And there are lots of other things we can talk about. Like I said, we could, we could go, we could go on for hours. We could go on for days on this topic. There's lots of places to discuss things you can do, of course. And, 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 and if you are interested in learning more, I would encourage you to go to Lifestyles Unlimited, go to our website. That's lifestylesunlimited.com. Click on the free workshop button for an introduction to learn more about what we do. Um, but ultimately it's going down a path like that and, and getting more education that will help you with building your processes, building your team, surrounding yourselves with that network, finding those mentors. So, uh, give that some thought. Now to the listener question, we just talked all about single family. Well, how does the risk there compared to investing as a passive investor in apartments? And in part, he's a little bit focused on the loan and asks the question very concretely, well, like single family, am I on the hook for the loan? As a passive investor, no, 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 no. What you need to understand, and, 
And this is the beauty of being a passive investor. All the things we just talked about with respect to owning and, and operating single family, again, consider that I, I self-manage, but even if you put a property manager into place, you're still finding, you're still buying, you're still having the renovations done on these houses. You're still engaging with somebody to find a resident, right? And you have ongoing operations, whether you're doing that or your property manager, and eventually you'll dispose of that asset. You are managing all of that. And the beauty of being an, a, a passive investor in apartments is, and I've experienced this over a few years now, I am not, and you will not, handle the finding and, and, and buying, the financing, all the things that go into acquiring that property. Somebody else does that. You do not handle the rehab. You do not handle the lease up and all the ongoing operations. You you don't worry about the refinance or, or the sale, the disposition of that property, you know, in two, three, four, five years. Your lead investor, the syndicator, takes care of all of this. You bring the money, and that's it. And going back to our, our, our example of the single family in, in Georgia, 25000 out of pocket. I was just on a webinar last night for a potential apartment investment where the minimum was 25000 Now, you can contribute more, typically. Uh, leads will welcome that. But the minimum here also was twenty five. So what do I have at risk? Really, it's that $25,000. I don't have to worry about whether the loan is recourse or not. It's not recourse to me. I don't have to worry about if something happens during operations, it's not going to come back to me. Okay. Now, keep in mind, I am not an attorney. You do want to speak with yours as you go down the passive investment route. And very, very important, risk mitigation certainly does apply here as well because you do want to be educated. And I'll tell you, Lifestyles Unlimited, there are... There are a ton of classes that you can take. I've, I've done these myself in the, in the past handful of years. You can get your passive investor certification, for example. I think there were 20 or 21, 22 classes for that. A lot of information that I had to digest. I had to take tests to get the certification. Now I can show the, the syndicators, hey, I've done the certification. I am, I'm a sophisticated investor. I understand what we're talking about. I understand what we're doing. I know how to read your business documents, your private placement memoranda, the operating agreement, all that stuff. I've learned how to read that so that I can be a good investor in this in this uh, syndication with you. So getting the education really is the biggest thing that you need to do to become a passive investor. And that's how you'll mitigate risk. You'll learn how to read that PPM, that private placement memorandum, for example. And there's key information in there. How are, how are cash distributions handled? If we follow the business plan and we expect a distribution in the second quarter and, and ongoing, well, how does that fall out? How, how does that land in my pocket? What about cash calls? Do those happen? They have happened. I've not been in any investments where we've had them happen, but they can happen where they need more cash for some reason. What about successorship in the event that some that the leadership team passes, that the lead passes? What happens there? What if I pass? Does it go to my heirs? Right? These are all in, in the operating agreements. These are all in the documents, and, and you do want to learn how to read those. So, in fact, there's a four-part class that uh, Lynn Murrow, the executive vice president of Lifestyles Unlimited. She, she gave this a couple years ago. This is available online. Four part, I think it was three hours each session, uh, massive, massive class just on reading these documents. So very, very important for you is, is, is again, is, is, is just the education because you're not doing any of the other stuff. Now, interestingly, at Lifestyles Unlimited, we do have a white paper that is published that guides leads in what they should be doing. 
And we also have a passive investor checklist. And I love this. It has all the questions uh, answered by the lead investor that asks the things I should be asking. Well, it's all right there. Right? It talks about financing, talks about uh, uh, everything I want to know, in essence, in order to f understand if this is an, an investment that fits my, my goals. So education important. Um, and, and I would say here as well, network. You know, there's not, nothing different here. You you want to be surrounded with people that are doing this passive investing as well. Um, because do we talk? Oh, yeah, you bet we do. Go to a coffee, you know, breakfast with a handful of, of passive investors. Are we going to be talking about the investments and potential leads and leads we've seen and, and, and worked with? Absolutely. Absolutely. So having that network around you is important to mitigating risk. Now, I've, I've kind of described... In, in more detail, single family, because typically as a single family investor, you are involved, maybe, maybe with a property manager, but you're more involved in the parts and the moving parts. Whereas as a, a passive investor, you, 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 your homework is up front and learning how to read the financials as they come out on a, on a regular basis and enjoying that mailbox money. Your risk is the funds that you've put in. So give that some thought. That answers the listener question, you know, and, and we got a little bit of time left. If you do want to be an independent rental owner, right, meaning you're going to buy your own small multifamily yourself, or you want to be that lead, that, that syndicator, syndicator I, I would point you to last week's show. I had Alex uh, on with me. She's an aspiring lead uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I, and I point you to that show because she spoke at length about the support that she is getting as a lead or future lead from Lifestyles Unlimited, from the the broader team, from the mentors, uh, from the um, operations consultants, from the other leads around her, even from the passive investors that she is affiliated with. Um, she's got so much support. I would point you in that direction as well when it comes to mitigating risk. It's having the support systems around you if you do want to go that route as, as a syndicator or, or as an IRO. So in summary, you know, it, risk is everywhere. And to go back to what the, the listener had in his, his email to me, you know, he said he's been doing the same thing for 25 years and he can see now that it's not going to get him to where he wants to be. So he recognizes he needs to do something different. And I think that's the key word. It's taking action. And taking action will lead you to education, really knowing and understanding the business, whether it's single family, whether it's investing as a passive, as an IRO, as a lead, it doesn't matter, starts with education. It starts then by building that community or that network, finding good mentors, team. We talked a little bit about team with, uh, within the framework of the single family investor. That applies to you as a lead or an IRO as well, having those good contractors, having those good insurance brokers, et cetera. And then having good processes, you know, for example, buying right, buying at a discount like we saw with the house in Georgia, 25K out of pocket, creating an additional $46,000 in equity through the process so that you don't lose money, making sure that it cash flows, this cash flows so you don't lose money, so that you're paying that mortgage, so that you're enjoying a profit and continuing to build that cash flow that gets you to that financial freedom. Again, whether single family passive IRO or lead. Um, yeah, there's risk in real estate, but you can mitigate that risk and it starts at places like Lifestyles Unlimited. So go check us out, lifestylesunlimited.com.
Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.